from the team at CTS, this is the Time Crunch Cyclist Podcast, our show dedicated to answering your training questions and providing actionable advice to help you improve your performance, even if you're strapped for time. I'm your host, Coach Adam Pulford, and I'm one of the over 50 professional coaches who make up the team at CTS. In each episode, I draw on our team's collective knowledge, other coaches, and experts in the field to provide you with the practical ways to get the most out of your training and ultimately become the best cyclist that you can be. Now, on to our show. Welcome back, Time Crunch fans. I'm your host, Coach Adam Pulford. We're going to talk about something that all of us do every day. In fact, we're doing it right now. Breathing. Specifically, we'll have a conversation exploring this question. Are there any performance benefits to breathing exercises for endurance athletes? Now, I'll preface this podcast by saying I am not a registered anything when it comes to breath work. I know little technical knowledge about this topic, and I will admit I'm very skeptical. But as we all know from the podcast that we did the last week, oxygen uptake or VO2 max is getting oxygen that is vital to our organs and and is directly related to performance and overall health. Breathing is how we get that oxygen in. So are there any techniques to improve this for athletes? And do these techniques apply to performance or have any benefit at all? Today, I'm back with Ryan Kohler of Fast Talk Labs. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Adam. Good to be back here uh, breathing with you again. (laughs) You know, it is always good to be breathing, uh, especially with you here on this podcast. Uh, We are recording here um, uh, right around in January. And yeah, last we talked about was um, all about VO2 max and getting oxygen into the system. But, you know, it's a curious thing because it's pretty popular and buzzy right now for people to um, want that extra edge. And can they do it with uh, breathing devices, uh, breathing techniques, or something like that. I mean, have you been kind of seeing that in your athletes or curiosity questions from kind of the circles that you're in? Yeah, I feel like the breathing stuff, just like the VO2 max topic, it's sort of like that carnival game, the whack-a-mole where it's like breathing is now popped up, you know, along with VO2 max. And, and I think in part due to a lot of the longevity research that's being done and promotion and people are just yeah, realizing that, Hey, this is a thing again. Yeah. Now I do want to say this and it may sound a little cavalier, Ryan. Uh, so correct me if all when I'm kind of straying off into the wrong waves, but my general approach to breathing for endurance athletes and endurance performance in particular is you have two holes to get oxygen in your nose and your mouth. You use the nose at rest and easy efforts and you use the mouth and nose for harder efforts. Is that the gist of it? Or is that like way too simple? I think that covers the vast majority of it. I think there's a, there's a lot we can do. I think the big question is how does it actually help us if it actually does? Because it is something that again has come around and people are training it and learning more about it. But yeah, I think, I mean, if we can do that, we're doing a lot of things, right? I think the nuance comes in when we start looking at maybe the physiology or, or you get into more of those specific things, like how am I breathing during different efforts, for example? 
And I remember yeah. when we used to ride at CTS, I could always hear you nose breathing in our endurance rides. It was, it was always noticeable. I remember that. <laughs> yes. I've had uh, Mike Derner, a uh, fellow mm-hmm. uh, former CTS coach would always say the same thing too. And I, I know he's like, he's gone pretty deep into this breath work uh, of sorts yeah. too. So <laughs> I'd say let's uh, keep our audience on the edge of their seat right now to see if that's a good thing or a bad thing to hear old (laughs) Coach AP breathing hard behind them. But um, let's get right into it. So breathing, just in general concept, can we train it? Does it matter for cyclists? And does it actually increase performance for endurance athletes? Ready, go. Go. So maybe. So what when we say train it, I'm just going to go off the the word train by saying can we somehow find a benefit from it right we'll per- manipulate it and then find a benefit from it right yeah exactly yeah so i think yes we could we can definitely manipulate that find changes and benefits where we say hey this is different and i feel better um in terms of of um actually improving performance i think that's one of those things where it's a it's a maybe Based on what we're seeing, I, I, I think this is another one of those times where we see the application of the science sort of leading the research a little bit because coaches are doing cool things with it and athletes seem to be doing well. So maybe um, and because there is a there's a coordination piece to this, then, yes, because we're talking sport for cycling. Absolutely. It's it's you know, breathing is probably as much of a skill to work on as learning how to pedal at a proper cadence, you know, higher or lower, you know, or body position. So yeah, I think it's applicable for, for cyclists. So we can train it, we can train it, um, say off the bike, right. Mm -hmm. And we can train it on the bike. And that's, that's you, that's like the area where I'm talking about there. Yeah. So you would then say that it does matter for cyclists to bring at least some awareness or, or, um, have some aspect of breath work in your general training handbag. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can, we can go down a, probably a lot of tangents on where exactly it can fit in, how we can use it. But yeah, I think it needs to be in that, that tool bag for cyclists. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's an awareness thing. Yeah. I think like you said, it's, understanding that junior athletes I find Mm -hmm. generally are more out of touch because they just don't think about it and they have high respiratory rates, you know, and the question becomes, well, if we can change that, how do they feel? And if they feel better about it, then they're going to perform better. And yeah. So. So that that's, that's just it for me. And I think our jumping off point is if we're going to change something, how do we identify when it needs changing? So if you're working with your athlete from afar, like, uh, like I work with a lot of my athletes with the exception of probably my juniors, but how do you identify that breathing needs to change? And then we'll talk about how we actually change it. Yeah. If I'm working with someone remotely, it's a little bit trickier because it may just come up more in conversation. Uh, if we're talking about a race or workout execution and, and how they're feeling and performing with that stuff, then it may come up in conversation where, um, I'll just say, Hey, have have you ever, have you ever monitored your breathing during these intervals, for example? And, and in most cases, the answer is no. So then it gives us a nice little tangent to say, Hey, let's, let's check into this and see where you're at. And I might tell them that, Hey, in your, 
you know, this next workout, maybe it's his own two ride. Hey, take a minute here and there and just count your breaths for a minute. And then they'll put that into training peaks and, and uh, they'll say, Hey, yeah, here's, you know, maybe it's like five times they do it in a ride and, and we see some numbers and then we can say, Oh yeah, does that seem normal high? Um, and what does that mean for you? Um, so that that's one way we can do it there. If we're talking about um, either remote or in person, particularly, and that athlete has access to a lab, um, that's where we can get a whole wealth of information because we can actually monitor with the mask their respiratory rate, a lot of ventilatory parameters, and pull out some specifics. You know, and when we're talking endurance athletes, they tend to like that stuff because it's more data. So that's another fun way to help identify some of those things. Completely agree. In fact, uh, with Coach Renee, we did a three-part. Uh, a series on lab testing, why to do it, how to do it, what we, what data we get from it. And in there, we did touch on ventilatory thresholds, VT1, VT2. And I, I'd say, if, you know, go back and explore that series for our listeners if, if you uh, miss that one, because we do cover some stuff in there. And additionally, um, Ryan, I was listening to in preparation for this talk, I listened to the Fast Talks episode number 217 where we're talking about uh, that's a much deeper dive than we're going to do today. Mm -hmm. So for those, would you recommend that episode for like the technical terms for the people who want to go deep? Yeah, I think that's a great option. That'll have, um, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, a long episode. They definitely are fast talk is known for deep diving. So if you want that detail, yeah, go into that one and listen to it. And, you know, you'll even, you'll hear from, um, like Steve Neal, for example, he taught me a lot about this. I learned just how horrible I have been breathing <laughs> after doing some work with him and comparing our results. So, um, yeah, you'll hear from some people that have been doing this and working with it for over 20 years already, whereas I'm you know, working on this with athletes and still myself learning a lot about what, yeah, what does this mean for, for me and my athletes? So we talked about lab tests. We talked about the data that we get from there. And we talked about how if we see something that needs to be changed in breathing, then we change it. So what is something from the data? If some of our athletes are, you know, they listen to the lab series with Renee and they're like, heck yeah, I'm going to go get a lab test. They do that. Now what, what should they look for or what should their coach look for in the data from the ventilatory aspects to start to think about changing breathing habits? Two starting pieces that would be great to go with would be tidal volume. So how much air we're moving per breath cycle and that that will typically see measured in liters and then respiratory frequency, which just like heart rate is just a breaths per minute. Um, and we look at those two things and what we see is that there's there's a pretty clear relationship as we go from in a test like low intensity activity all the way up to a maximal effort where we expect to see increases in tidal volume just to accommodate more, more of that need for O2 delivery. And we see a progressive increase at, at certain points in breath frequency because, you know, during that time, there's metabolic changes taking place. We're, we're producing more net lactate and, and there's a certain response to that that shows itself in these parameters. 
So those two pieces are really interesting to look at. And, and what we'll see is a couple different uh, profiles for athletes. You know, one is where they may have those that rise in title volume and then it may stay the same all the way through maximal um, efforts. And uh, some athletes, we may see that it rises and then it falls off. And they, as they get into that hyperventilatory response near the end of exercise, and some it happens earlier, some it happens later. So that's an interesting piece because what you can do is, you know, one, just pull the data and look at it and say, hey, when you're riding at a zone two effort and your heart rate is only 120 beats, you're breathing 40 times a minute. We need to slow that down. That's way too high. And what we tend to see with that is, hey, maybe their tidal volume is pretty low. Um, you can go a lot deeper with that. And for some athletes that have done uh, pulmonary function testing, spirometry, um, that's you know where you, you have the device and you have to maximally um, exhale and then inhale and you get that nice little flow volume loop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's nice because then you can see, hey, what's your peak capabilities? You know, so you could take that next step and say, well, when you're breathing, you're moving X amount of liters, what percentage is that of your peak? And then you can get a sense for, you know, how much of my potential am I using? And that was the big thing I found out when I did a test with Steve Neal. And this is, this is a guy that's been doing it for over 20 years. And he was, I think he was somewhere in like nineties throughout the entire test. And I was like half of that. Um, But that's one of those things where it became clear very quickly of like, oh, I could, do a lot more with this. And it's because it wasn't, I wasn't aware of it. I just didn't think about it at the time. So I think those two areas are great to start with. And then you can always, you know, go deeper from there. Yeah. 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 So if our athletes maybe don't have a lab test or they got a lab test and they didn't look at that data, I mean, what are some of these other things that we could look at, say in a, you know, a power file, heart rate file that would maybe cue us on some of those aspects? Because to me, like, as you were talking about there, like, I'll I'll put a caveat here and say, I never, I, I don't never to use a double negative, talk about breathing with my athletes because we all get that, you know, the training peaks comment or we're talking to our athletes after the race, my breathing was off. Okay, cool. Tell me more. You know, we go in and, you know, the heart rate is jacked, um, powers all over the place. And, and, but then we deduce it out through kind of effort. And then we can talk about some of the breathing aspects, but like, I guess kind of coming back to what we're working at, uh, at the level of a remote based coach sort of situation, remote based athlete situation. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing in the data that can speak to some of the stuff that you see from a lab test like that? you nailed it there with uh, looking at like power and heart rate files from afar. We can see if something looks off where there's, there's some failure occurring somewhere where, yeah, maybe heart rate is through the roof and we're like, well, why did that happen? We need to figure out why, or if power couldn't be maintained or we see a race file where someone had a, a fantastic start and they, they produced maybe appropriately high power based on what we'd expect. And then all of a sudden they fell off and heart rate is still sky high. Fell off the pace, correct? Fell the- yeah, fell off the pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And um, sorry, yeah. I just completely ruined your flow there. But yeah, okay. Oh, no. So kind of overpacing on a race, but it's a classic sort of, um, you know, breath is all over the place and, you know, pacing goes down, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then and within Training Peaks too, I love the the little smiley faces that you can select as well. Because if yeah. we see, you know, we see the same workout, like 
maybe it's a, a high intensity session and one week they have a big smiley face. The next week it's, it's a frowny face. Well, we say, well, what happened there? And um, yeah, they might say something like you suggested of, oh, my breathing was off or I couldn't find this rhythm. It, it there's a lot of um, open doors. I think if we're, mm-hmm. if we're sort of looking for that, a lot of open doors to say, yeah, tell me more. And then that's where we can get into it. And I think too, whether we have a fancy lab test or, you know, our, our heart rate or power file from training peaks, the execution is still the same for me where I talk about breath. I talk about feel, I talk about RPE, all these things. So it's not to say, you know, breathing is junk. I don't believe it is junk. Mm-hmm. We'll get into what I think is junk here in a second, but like, I, I think using the data to ask better questions along with breathing rate is huge because you talked about another thing, hyperventilation, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say real quick, let's talk like hyperventilating, right? Like your breath rate is super high and probably inefficient, super high, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and when we say that, that, yeah, that inefficiency, yeah, we see that, you know, at, at whatever intensity that, that is, yeah, the Mm -hmm. breath rate might be 50 breaths per minute, but then we see tidal volume by comparison is actually lower than what it was earlier. So we're breathing more, but we're not moving any more air. We're actually moving less air. So yeah, it becomes a huge inefficiency, a huge inefficiency. But in in my opinion, and this is kind of the way I roll is like, we shouldn't be hyperventilating that threshold or zone four. Right. Okay. If we're doing VO two work, like we talked about before, the end goal shouldn't be hyperventilation. However, if it's our first round of VO2 or we're going true max efforts, the last couple intervals might have uh, inefficiency of breathing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep. that's not a bad thing in my opinion, because I think you need to go there. You you need to hyperventilate in order to dial it back and become more efficient at maximum efforts and and teach your body. And this is how I do it. You go max, you use hard effort in order to mess up on breathing. Then we dial it back, talk about breathing, use some techniques to control breathing throughout, and then get better at breathing at max efforts. And then all the other efforts too. That's generally how I do it from a simple standpoint. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's, it's realizing what in part, like what the breath is telling us. Yeah. If you're hyperventilating, yeah. Is that expected or not? you know, and, and that takes you one of two ways. And then, yeah, how, how do we use it? You know, like pre-race warmups, that's something where mm-hmm. I want to get into that hyperventilation mode because I'd rather have it happen 15 minutes out from the start than have the first time happen at the gun <laughs> and, and realize I'm three minutes in and then I can't do anything about it except slow down. So yeah, it's, it's understanding like, what well, yeah, what do we want out of it? And like you said, VO2 max efforts, um, if you're, if you're new at them, yeah, then we might find, uh, you couldn't do them, but then the athlete might say, Oh, it wasn't my legs. It was my lungs. You know, like I felt like I could push the power, but I couldn't breathe. Okay, well, good. Let's see. Maybe do we need to adjust your, your power? Is it something with your technique or your cadence where we can, or is it just more awareness? Does it help you to maybe do a breathing exercise before you start to then get a feel for like, how am I breathing? Am I expanding where I should be expanding? Or am I one of these like shoulder breathers where I'm just like short, sharp breaths and and my shoulders are up and down. So yeah, it opens up a lot of doors to then for coaching. Yeah, it it does. And there's a lot of things I want to ask about that, but real quick, go back to your, um, your warmup scenario before a race where you said, I actually, I might want to experience some hyperventilation 
in a warm up before I get to the race. Um, tell me more about that Be- because is it like a, a warm up process and doing some max efforts before you get to the start line or, uh, what are you doing there? For, for me, that's, it's a warm up process. Yeah. Before the start line. And of course, depending on the race, if this is like a, mm-hmm. a long, you know, gravel or mountain bike race, then I, I, I might forgo that, but this is something like with <laughs> my junior, yeah, with my juniors, I'll use it, especially for the high school leagues, because we know, you know, they're racing maybe 12 miles and they need to be 150% from the start. So I want to teach them one, an appropriate warm up, but also teach them like, mm-hmm. hey, get some of that sensation into the body, get that feel into the body um, before you do that. And breathing, like we could see quickly during a warm up, um, you know, if, they, if they're doing a sprint then mm-hmm. we'll say, oh, I'll ask them because I'll, you know, I'll catch up with them or, or ride with them during it and say, okay, how did that feel? Um, did you feel like you were hyperventilating? And some, you can obviously just tell because they're still breathless, but I'll say, hey, that's good. Like mm-hmm. use that. And then what we'll do is take that and align it with their leg sensations. And if they have data, we might say, oh yeah, look at your heart rate and then say, okay, in the start, does that feel like an appropriate start for today? Or do you need to dial it back or do you have more to give? So yeah, we can use a lot with that one, just to get them tuned in with the body, but two, just to say, Hey, I remember what this is like, because that's not something we do very frequently. Yeah. And that goes in hand with my general philosophy of shorter, the race longer and harder, the warm up should be. Yeah. And so, you know, doing a general aerobic build to having some max efforts, if we're doing a you know, a 40 minute cross race, a 90 minute cross country race, that's very applicable and getting a high ventilatory rate to the point of yeah, maybe a little inefficient, completely appropriate. And that's also part of the warm up process of just getting all energy systems, legs and lungs on board and in sync and letting your body know there's going to be some, uh, some <laughs> chaos coming. Right. Yeah, exactly. Another thing that you talked about with was, uh, like, you know, your, sh- you had for our YouTube watchers, you know, you shrugged your shoulders and you had like kind of a, a tight kind of body situation, tight muscles. There's a lot of coordination that goes on, uh, within our body in order to breathe well. And I would Mm -hmm. say from the research that I read, that's probably some of the strongest, uh, curiosity for me anyway, in the way of doing some breathing, say off the bike in order to, uh, kind of sync up all those breathing, um, muscles to become a little bit more efficient. And that's, I mean, a little can of worms there, but I did link to a a pretty interesting article here where yoga for endurance athletes uh, link to it, check it out. It's great. They use younger athletes who are running six days a week. And that conclusion is doing about 15 minutes of yoga separate from their other endurance training did have a positive correlation with uh, sub threshold sort of breathing capacities. So there's some, some good things in there, read it all, but here's the other thing. There is no change in performance in the way of VO two max or uh, functional threshold power as they defined it. And so that goes in hand where you were saying before, yeah, there's some benefits that we don't fully know, but in the way of actual increasing performance, it's still not there. If, if somebody's trying to, in my opinion, in my experience, if someone's trying to sell you a, some sort of breathing device, hard lung.com, whatever, it, whatever <laughs> it is, or the greatest, uh, uh, breathing technique book in, in the world it, for performance. Anyway, it's not there for me. 
Yeah. And I, I think the, um, the big thing for me is, uh, with breathing, I think we've said this word a number of times, but awareness. And I think sometimes more importantly is like that if you can change, like in that, in that study, I think they talked about like more breathing from kind of up high in the shoulders versus down a little bit lower and utilizing those respiratory muscles. Um, yeah, I think just, learning that awareness is it really it brings in a different aspect to performance where yeah we Mm -hmm. may not even see or expect any changes in threshold so if someone has a 250 watt threshold we may not see it bump to 275 but we may see that hey they're more in tune with their body and it, it it maybe does a different connection with kind of the brain and the body and if that can help them, then, Hey, maybe they, maybe their power goes up in a race because they've learned how to communicate with that, you know, the, the brain and body better. And this is of course all speculation and on, on my part too, cause I just don't know, we don't have the data for it. Yeah. But, um, when we do see people improve their, their performance, however, you know, find that multiple ways, but yeah, yeah. then I, I do look at those areas and I do think initially more of like the awareness of just, they know what's happening and the more in touch with their body we can be then, yeah, there's a good potential to improve something. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I do not disagree with that. However, we're entering in that, uh, I would say artistic space of coaching where you do it differently than I do it, but yet we're both agreeing that having that relaxed, high performing athlete, that's the way Walt Van Aert, Matthew Vanderpool, watch them race their bike. They're relaxed but they are high octane machines. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so I'm not saying for our audience to become Walt Van Art, but what Ryan and I are both saying is there are ways to become a more relaxed athlete. And I think for like a time crunch person with a lot of stress in their life and they're going full tilt, I, there's probably some full body relaxation stuff that we can do to get them to chant, you know, loosen the grip on their bike focus on the task at hand and go for it. Now for me personally, um, like the question is, is like, okay, for everybody listening, how do we do it? Mm-hmm. For me, I, I actually encourage my athletes, uh, to practice yoga, whether it is a yoga via an app of, you know, 20, 30 minutes or go to a studio that is very healthy in my opinion, because you're doing full range of motion, muscle coordination activities off the bike, which has wild health benefits everywhere. And it connects breath to body. Mm-hmm. And when you can do that, and then we talk about that when we come to the bike, where we do some deep breathing, sub-threshold to bring awareness to the bike. And it's like as simple as that if, again, goes back to some, you know using the data to indicate that there's some hyperventilation or there's something that needs to change here for the better. But there is, that's how I do it as well as uh, there's some other stuff like in the way of relaxation and visualization that I work with my athletes, but that's like off the bike. Um, So I'd say from a very like artistic uh, end of one sort of way of operating with my athletes, Ryan, do you have a better way? Do you have like, uh, I don't know, these are the four techniques that you should do. Here's a link to what I use with my athletes. How else can our audience members be like, Hey, I want to try this and put this into play. Yeah. I I wouldn't say anything would be better. I think everything that you just said, I fully agree with because it it is like we're, we're in that art space and, and, you know, we all learn from each other and, and 
and, you know, take things that work and leave things behind that don't work for us. But then with our athletes, we bring that thing back in because it works for them. So, um, yeah, the only other thing that I would say is, um, I, I would bring it into some on bike stuff based on the physiology testing. And, and, you know, like you said, just, I've, I've been able to work with that data for many, many years and, and you start to see this stuff. So what I'll do is sometimes look at that, you know, that profile for an athlete when we get the ventilatory data and we'll say, Hey, maybe we can improve here. And really all it is, I don't think it's even that much different than what you're doing because it is, it's you're, you're connecting that link from yoga, just connecting it to now a, a bike movement, you know? Um, but what I'll do is, is take, you know, let's say there's zone two, for example, and we'll say, Hey, look at how your profile changes here. Maybe we can work on respiration. Let's have you do that on the bike by taking like a minute or so, um, maybe every 10, 15 minutes while you're in a zone two ride. And then all I want you to do is, you know, bring your respiratory rate down from maybe it was 35, uh, in the lab, um, bring it down from 35 to 32 and just practice that for a minute at a time here and there within, you know, an hour or two ride, they only may do that like four or five times, maybe a little bit more to start, but it, it gives them that chance to essentially try and make that connection. Like you were saying from yoga to the bike to, you know, the physiology lab to the bike. And it gives them, you know, one extra thing where they can incorporate, um, some practice into, uh, their zone two rides, which, you know, may be boring for some folks if they're on their trainer, then yeah, that's a great time to spend some spend some brain energy doing something a little different. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting. I don't, I don't do that with my athletes. I'd say for the on the bike stuff, um, the other way I, I would do it. And we touched on this before, but it's exploring the high intensity aspect. Mm -hmm. and, and I would almost say it's, it's very similar with uh, cadence work. Like if you want to be a good, if you want to have a good pedal stroke, you need to go, you need to hit all the cadences mm -hmm. and you need to go really fast. And then you need with your leg speed, right? RPMs. And yep. then you need to go really fast with high power. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's something there with breathing too, because doing high cadence work or fast pedals increases breath rate at moderate power output. Right. And then mm -hmm. we'll do a block of that. And then we'll go up into, you know, power intervals, VO two max intervals, high cadence, high power. And I generally find that if I do training properly like that progressive overload with high leg speed and high power outputs, that breathing takes care of itself mm -hmm. in my opinion, because yeah. then, you know, breath issues will come up. We'll talk about that and then we'll kind of break it down into control some breathing deep in the breath when appropriate. And I'd say like, other than that, like I'm, I'm kind of reluctant to give the advice of, uh, here's an, yet a, a, another thing of busy work to do for my athletes, yeah. but I, but it's not yeah. it, like, it's not in contention. I, th I think with what, you know, you're talking about, or even like in contention with like me telling my athletes to do, uh, some yoga off the bike, because I don't think that there is a net negative to doing that other than maybe a little bit of time lost from that aspect. Right. Right. Yeah, I would agree. No, I, and I, th I think they both have their, um, you know, it seems, I think we're, we're addressing it just from two, two ends of the spectrum, but in, in the mm -hmm. end, we're, it's still being addressed. And, uh, yeah, you know, you sort of, uh, with, with VO2 max intervals, power intervals, I mean, yeah, if you're, you're putting someone into that routine, um, they're going to figure out breathing 
pretty quickly if they need to. So <laughs> they have to. Um, yeah. And, and like, you know, like we said in the, in the VO2 max episode, like you should fail at those intervals from time to time as you, as you learn. And yeah, you'll yeah. probably find that, Hey, the breathing is, this is really, really hard at this intensity, but um, it's something that we generally don't practice because when we are at that intensity, all we're thinking about is like how much time is left and how am I going to make it through this thing? And, you know, a million other thoughts, but it's not about like, Hey, how can I settle in and actually relax and, and essentially like find enjoyment in that, you know? And yeah. that's a piece that I always try to bring in with high intensity training is like, if you can find a point where you can crack a smile and actually enjoy what you're doing, like that's good, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that can be one way to do it is give them a different focus on, Hey, focus on that breath. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I agree with. And, and I'd say kind of as summary points, I, I would say, you know, breathing exercises alone, right? Like breathing into a tube or even, um, oh, well, man, dude, we didn't even talk about options. like restrictive breathing. Oh man. Did we go yeah. there? I don't know. I don't use it. So I don't know if I'd be much help. <laughs> There's tons of tools that you can get into. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of those areas where like you can go and explore those on your own if you want to, but you have to know what you're looking for too. And there are coaches out there that are using these tools and they, they know what they're looking for. Does it, does it work? You know, it, like we said, it depends how you define, <laughs> does it work or improvement? Um, but I think if you're going to do that and explore those, you need to know like what you're looking for and work with somebody that has experience doing it. So you're not just like, like wasting your time, right? Time crunch. You got, you want to make sure this stuff works. Yeah, exactly. So I would not use restricted breathing. I would not use yeah weird contraptions uh to do any breath work off the bike i would save it for your on the bike stuff how about nasal breathing do you want to talk about that real quick on the time crunch mode of things like coach ap just yeah. like going crazy at effort i don't know talk about nose breathing real quick love it yeah i mean aside from this is something that comes up not only on the performance side but just even working with athletes involved in on the longevity side um you know and I think you mentioned earlier, like nasal breathing at those low and moderate efforts and then transitioning to nose and mouth as you get higher. But um, yeah, the nasal breathing, the, the one of the big benefits is that that nitric oxide boost through the through nasal breathing. Right. So you, you don't you get a really big hit of that when you can nasal breathe. So, I mean, there's aside from being able to calm your, your breath, keep that heart rate in, in check. There is also that sort of physiological boost of, Hey, I'm producing a little more nitric oxide and that's going to help with, um, you know, blood flow. So yeah, I'm all for it. And I think the way you describe it in that, as it transitions from low to high makes total sense. I even love trying to find that, that point of like, where can I make, where do I make that transition? And sometimes can I like push it a little bit more, you know, as a fun little challenge, but yeah, all on board with nasal breathing. Yeah. And I, and I would say, keep it simple again, especially in the way of, you know, we're all riding eight to 10 hours, you know, six to eight hours or eight to 10 hours a week, this kind of thing, like breathing through your nose is not going to increase anything by lots of percentages in the way of moving the needle. Yeah. However, sticking to that, Hey, when it's easier at rest and going easy, nose breathing predominantly, we kind of do this naturally, but I, I want to press in because People think that if they do nose breathing, they will become the next Tata Pagacha. Yeah. And, and they're not like, and, and even he breathes out of his mouth when he's going hard, like it, and both orifices, right? Like that's the point here. 
I'm guessing that you're not going to advocate anybody to tape their mouth and go do a training session on the, on the no, trainer. I've seen that stuff. I just can't get behind it. I mean, it's, and again, you, have, you know, why becomes the question and haven't found a great reason to do it. I mean, no. if you're doing it at lower intensities, just keep your mouth shut. And you know why you're doing it. And then you put your mind to it and you go and do the workout. But at high, higher intensities, I see no benefit to it because you, you need you need that mouth. You need to move air. <laughs> okay, cool. I, I'm glad that we took some time to talk about some of the more spoofy stuff around uh, breathing because the, there is a lot of... There's a lot of fluff and stuff out there, Ryan. Um, so yeah, <laughs> thank you for yeah. taking a little extra time on that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there is. And it's one of those areas where you can go overboard quickly with the devices. And like I said, it's, it's, you need to know, like, does it actually do anything for you or what do you want out of it? And then, yeah, maybe explore it. But otherwise, if you don't know, just move on, like do the, do the things that are make the biggest differences. And yeah, those will be a relatively small component. Yeah. So I, I'd say like my summary points uh, on my end is, you know, breathing exercises, they don't increase performance metrics like VO2 max, functional threshold power or aerobic capacity. Therefore, I don't use any standardized breathing um, techniques in that way. There's some stuff I do off the bike, but I consider that separate from a physiological adaptation. Yeah. There is some stuff that suggests the relaxation visualization and, and awareness, which I think is vitally important. Um, I think that that has some very much carryover in the way of um, performance benefit when it comes to racing and being a relaxed human being. But then to come back and say, well, how do I train breathing properly is I just go back to good old training properly, which is progressive overload of three energy systems using max efforts to probably hyperventilate at some point, talk about how to control that, get more fit so that, that doesn't happen. And that's my practical guide of breathing. Ryan, do you want to add yeah. anything to that? A lot of it comes back to that mind body connection and breathing is really a, a it's a link in that. So yeah, however, however we can bring that in, um, you know, in some cases we see it in physiological data and then it gives us some really clear insights into, into how you're doing it. And, and just like, a lot of other devices out there, it can clue us into habits. And if we can work on changing those, then that might help that mind-body connection and help us um, just, you know, improve the way we're doing things. Um, you know, and how that helps performance. Yeah, it's, it, like you said, it, it's, it's likely not going to change anything dramatically in terms of threshold and so on. But yeah, you know, it might make you feel differently when you're racing. And if you can race with a better mindset, hey, even better. <laughs> That I can't, I, I can't argue with my friend. So yeah, <laughs> very good stuff, Ryan. Uh, thank you again for coming on the podcast. I always love uh, learning and, and talking with you. Uh, if our audience wants to learn and, and talk and connect with you a little bit more, um, where should we send them to? Yeah, they can visit my website at uh, rockymountaindevo.com or send me an email at ryan at rockymountaindevo.com. Very cool. And, um, I, I should ask too, I mean, you are a coach, um, working with athletes. Are you taking on clients right now? And how does that work? Um, right now I'd say I'm just about full and with my juniors yeah. and that the junior team starting up again pretty soon, I try to not, uh, overcommit because, uh, once we get into that season, it's, it's, it's going. <laughs> 
Yes, I, I know. I, I suspected that was the case as uh, working with juniors, you definitely have to have a pretty good bandwidth to, to operate from, but I uh, figured I would ask. But I, you know, I will say too, like you know, Ryan's awesome. Even if you want a, a consultation or if you want to hear more from him on Fast Talk Labs, uh, go check out and we'll link to Fast Talk in our show notes. Uh, that is where I would suggest anybody going if you want like super deep dives into technical stuff, including a lot of the uh, technical acronyms and concepts that we were talking about today in breathing. But uh, Ryan, you did an awesome job uh, coming on here and talking about the practical stuff around breathing for endurance athletes. So thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Thanks for joining us on the Time Crunch Cyclist Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you want even more actionable training advice, head over to trainright.com backslash newsletter and subscribe to our free weekly publication. Each week, you'll get in-depth training content that goes beyond what we cover here on the podcast that'll help you take your training to the next level. That's all for now. Until next time, train hard, train smart, train right.